Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new Flyers Daily for the 11th of February, 2024. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Flyers get a second straight home win and a third straight win coming out of the All-Star break. It was Florida 2-1 on Tuesday. It was a win over Winnipeg 4-1 on Thursday and a 3-2 win over Seattle. The Flyers' revenge tour continues. If you recall, the Flyers lost to Seattle in overtime 2-1 to one, all the way back on December 29th. So they have that loss. They get a win. They grab two more points in the standings, and they get the job done. Much more complete game. John Tortorella much happier after the win against Seattle than he was after the win against Florida and the win against Winnipeg. That's coaches sometimes going, uh, we may have gotten away with not playing a complete game against Florida or may not may have gotten away with not playing a complete game against Winnipeg, but that is not a way to do business in the final 30 games of the season in a very tight race for the playoffs and uh, a team that doesn't have a lot of margin for error. Didn't bite them on those two occasions, uh, but last night a much more uh, kind of diligent performance and consistent performance. There were stretches in the game, of course. It's hockey when Seattle had momentum and hemmed the Flyers in and applied pressure, uh, but the way the Flyers dealt with it, and it wasn't for uh, long periods of time that the Flyers kind of sat back and almost watched Seattle. The Flyers really played a good game and they got a good result and they'll take it. They outshoot Seattle in the game 38 to 19. They get out hit 22 to 19. And it really was a game of special teams for the Flyers. You know, special teams on one hand has been uh, very underwhelming in total this season, although it's been better lately, the power play and really overwhelming on the other hand, the penalty kill. And we'll get to the particular on that in a moment, but let's start off where the scoring began. Flyers came out in this first period and I, I was watching the first period diligently because they came out first of all, with their hair on fire, great energy flying up and down the ice really looked like a team that, but was ready to go and ready to play fast. Just there was no D to D regroups in the D zone or the neutral zone, the entire first period. I only saw two in the entire game. And that's something I kind of look for and chart uh, at this point, seeing how fast the flyers play in transition. And they, even when Seattle had possession in the flyer zone, flyers just did a really good job keeping them to the outside not letting them get to the middle of the ice. If you look at the scoring chance heat maps on this game, you'll see it. Seattle had a really hard time getting to the middle of the ice in the Flyers zone. They just did a real good job. Hey, if you want to kind of meander on the outside, that's fine. Clear-sighted shots from distance and, and the outside, you'll take those every day of the week. And the Flyers did a real good job with their structure. And then in the first period, they get the first goal. They get rewarded early, which I think helps as well, obviously. Play from in front. You see that you know, you're playing with a lot of pace and you're applying some good pressure on, on a really good goalie. Joey DeCord is having a really good season. And he was really good against the Flyers back on December 29th. He was really good in this game as well. I mean, 35 saves on 38 shots. And he made several really good ones. 
But uh, 436 into the game, the Flyers open the scoring. Uh, it's Scott Lawton who is gets the power play goal, his sixth of the season on an absolute bomb. A one-timer from the right side. Cam York laid him out a beautiful pass, put it on a tee, and Lawton hammered it and just went bar down over the uh, glove hand on the short side of Joey Decord, and that put the Flyers up one nothing. Morgan Frost in his 200th NHL game picked up an assist as well. And this, the power play happens because of Scott Lawton. Earlier, just prior to the power play, Lawton, Flyers get kind of hemmed in. It was the fourth line with Scott Lawton and Nick Delarier, and they kind of got caught out there. But Lawton makes a real good play uh, picking off a uh, Seattle pass at the Flyer blue line and goes the other way on a breakaway. It was late in the shift, too. I was surprised he was able to even get a little bit of separation uh, being late in the shift and on tired legs. Uh, he was unable to beat Decor, but Decor's trying to kind of gather the rebound. And here comes Garnet Hathaway to start up, play into the whistle exactly as he's supposed to do, uh, fighting for that puck. And he gets absolutely plastered, just cross-checked from behind, and that draws the penalty. So really, it's Scott Lawton breakaway and the play he makes that end up causing the power play. First power play unit went out. I was unable to really get anything great going. Second power play unit came out, and Lawton gets the goal. Flyers go up one to nothing. Then it's 17.09. One of the few occasions, the only occasion I, by my eyes in the first period where Seattle got to the middle, uh, Thomas Tatar kind of got free in the high slot and was able to uh, beat Cal Peterson. And it was a 1-1 game at that point. It was challenged for offside. And some of the angles you saw, you go, oh, that's that's offside. And then some of the other angles, you go, well, that's not offside. Sometimes the camera can kind of be deceiving based on the angle. The puck was also kind of fluttered in the air, so it was hard to tell. Nonetheless, Flyers uh, do not get win the challenge, and they have to go on the PK. Now it's a 1-1 game late in the first. You really outplayed the opposition. It's a 1-1 game. And because you didn't win the challenge, now you've got to kill a penalty. And with 18-14, so final two minutes of the period within it, the Flyers on the PK, it's Ryan Paling scored a, a, a shorthanded goal in the game against Winnipeg. It was the fourth goal for the Flyers, kind of off the rush, and just just absolutely beat in that one, Laurent Brassois, and didn't seem like Brassois was expecting him to shoot because he kind of looked them off. Well, Paling went back to the look-off again, kind of like a Magic Johnson no-look pass, but it's the no-look shot, kind of looking at the guy that's coming up the ice with you up the left side. And this time, Paling is looking him off, and you can tell when Paling takes the shot and it really handcuffed, really handcuffed Joey Decord because he just looked out of sorts and couldn't close the five-hole, probably because he was loaded on his left leg to push to the right side, thinking he was going to pass the puck. So, again, good look off by Paling. I talked to him at that intermission, and he mentioned that's something that actually he worked on this offseason was getting that shot off with a little bit more deception, especially off the rush. He's off for him in the last two games. That's the seventh goal of the year. Shorthanded, Garnet Hathaway and Nick Steeler pick up the assist. By the way, the assist from Hathaway is like an 80-foot backhand Phil Mickelson lob wedge to an area where Paling can get it in stride. That was a really understated play about it. Uh, really good play from Hathaway, and Paling is feeling it right now. 
Uh, Flyers 12 shorthanded goals lead the NHL, hailing back-to-back games with a shorthanded goal. And the Flyers go to the locker room after one period of play, up two to one in the game. You'll take it. Go into the second period. There was some pushback from Seattle in that second period. But when Cal Peterson was called on, he was it wasn't the busiest night for Cal Peterson. He only saw 19 shots, but made the saves he had to make, made some good ones as well. And we go to the third period with the Flyers up 2-1. Again, one of the slimmest of margin games, no margin for error, which is 36 seconds into the third. It is Seattle. Jared McCann uh, picks up the goal off the stick of Sean Couturier. Really one that Cal Peterson, not really not much you can do. And you're going to hear from Cal in a minute on that goal. Um, but uh, Couturier kind of flew by the play. I think he thought the F1 for Seattle was going to take the puck. He left it. And Couturier kind of went with him. And then Couturier recoiled back to get the stick on it. Uh, but 2-2 is the score at that point. And at Sean Couturier postgame talked about it. Didn't feel like it was his best game. Felt like he was fighting the puck and his feet a lot in the game. And both of the Seattle goals, where Sean Couturier said, they, that was my guy. So he was not happy with his performance. And Torch was giving it to him on the bench. And Torch talked about it postgame. This team can't afford for Sean Couturier to be average. He has to be uh, much better than that every game. That's not a, just not a luxury they have. So at 5.30 of the period, there's a, a face-off in, on the left dot in the Seattle zone. And this is, you know, there's set plays in hockey that you run in your D zone to break out or get out on the rush. There's set plays in the offensive zone, what you're trying to accomplish, whether you're trying to, like, like in this situation, Sean Couturier is a left-hand shot on the left dot. You want to pull it back 45-degree angle to the guy kind of shaded on the circle for a shot attempt, and everybody crashes in that. Well, this is one It's kind of a chalk set play in hockey where the centerman will try and win the draw back and tie up the opposition centerman. And the winger on the inside of the ice, this case the right winger, Travis Konechny, swings in behind the centers for support and grabs that puck, and then just shovels it to the point. And then the next part of it is, as soon as the winger comes in and gets the puck, the center, Sean Couturier, disengages with the guy that he is tying up off the draw, and he just angles 45 degrees right to the net. Because, going back to the point, the point man knows he's going to come right, he's going to spin right off uh, the other centerman and go right to the net for either a deflection or a tip. On this occasion, it was a tip. Beautiful tip. Travis Sanheim knew exactly what he was doing. And Travis Konechny comes in right behind him. Perfect winger support to win the faceoff back to Sanheim. And Sean Couturier tips it by, and he gets the goal. And he showed a lot of emotion when he scored that goal. He wanted to atone for what he deemed as two mistakes, where his guy got the goal for Seattle. And it was an absolutely beautiful play. And it is a set play. And it's one of the things I'm not one of those people that goes crazy about, well, the team's great at faceoffs. That must mean something. I think faceoffs are really subjective. And a lot of times it's a, a team stat more than it's, you know, the two centermen stat because of how the wingers have to support it and how that plays out, whatever. But this is one of those situations on an offensive zone draw where having a faceoff guy that's really confident in what he's going to do, going up against a certain guy on the opposition. You can run a set play like this and have it pay dividends. And it pays dividends here. I think we saw earlier in the season, I'm not sure what game it was. It was an overtime game. 
but it was Konechny, Couturier, and Sanheim. And it was a set play on a D-zone draw where Couturier won it, won it back to Konechny. He gets it right – as soon as he wins it and it gets back to Sanheim, Konechny is flying the zone up the left side. And Couturier knows as soon as he wins it back, he's got to get up and join the rush. Turned into a two-on-one. It was a game-winning goal for Sean Couturier. Uh, so having that guy that is really confident and competent in the face-off circle can pay a huge dividend. And once again, it does here. It's the game-winning goal. As Couturier picks up his 11th, Travis Sanheim and Travis Konechny pick up the assist, and the Flyers end up hanging on. They really clamped down on Seattle after they got the lead, too. It did not give them much in that third period. Really salted it away, and uh, the Flyers grabbed the two points in the standings. And they also get six total assists in the game, which means 180 pounds of food will be donated to local communities in need as part of the Flyers and Penn Medicine's community assist so that's a good thing as well all right let's get to the flyers goaltender he hadn't played an nhl game i think in 92 days the last game he played uh, was on that trip on the west coast trip when he beat his former team the los angeles kings it's been a while since uh cal peterson saw nhl action so i had a chance to catch up with the flyers goaltender who got the win after the game we're with Flyers goaltender Cal Peterson after a 3-2 win. Those tight games, guys selling out all over the ice to block shots and clog the middle, those are a lot of fun to be a part of. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I mean, we, we set the tone in that Florida game. I think we gave up three shots in the third period, and um, same with tonight. I mean, we just completely locked it down, um, controlled the play, and didn't really give them anything. So a um, ton of credit to that room. Sometimes for a goalie, when you don't see a high volume of shots, it's a little bit more difficult to have a feel for the game. How did you maintain the feel? Because you had to make big saves in the third. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I was feeling good coming out of the second. And obviously, weird, weird second goal. So that was, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad it didn't put the team on the heels. Like, we responded really well. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, like, the, the chances they got were few. So, um, you know, I was just happy to make the ones they needed to make. When that second one goes in, is that one of those ones you go, are you kidding me? You're going to DB on that, one of those lollipoppers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Deflect. It's just, yeah, it's just a crappy play and, and a little bit unfortunate, but um, that's the way it goes. And again, like the resilience to be able to, you know, turn around and, and uh, I think it even elevated our game. So that was impressive. Showing resilience in your career as well. Are you looking at this as a, a big reset for you, getting back into the NHL. You're going to be relied upon down the stretch here in, in multiple opportunities. How are you kind of attacking this whole thing? Yeah, I mean, I'm pre I've been preparing for this opportunity for for a very long time, and um, you know, again, I'm just um, you know looking forward to to trying to help the team win and and make the most of it, and um, you know, do what I can to to really just embrace the city, embrace this team, and um, you know, again, help the boys win. Is it just taking things as they come, not thinking about anything else? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's been kind of a wild couple of years, um, but again, you know, I feel like I've worked too hard to you know, to let an opportunity like this go to waste. So I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to take on, just, just be a part of this team and, and help the boys go in the right direction. All right. Let's talk real quick about the mask. Cause you got a new bucket on tonight I do, and yeah. it's very sleek. Yeah. It's um, I kind of wanted just like a, I've, I've always done kind of retro um, traditional patterns in my mask. Yeah. And um, so I just told, you know, told my painter something really retro, um, you know, kind of a white base and, you know, just something that that was a little different and, you know, something that looks good from up close and far away. Um, who did your mask? Who painted it? Let's give him some bones. Yeah, it's Ray Bishop, um, Bishop Mass. Um, he's done all my masks from um, really every every since I turned pro. So I got a nice collection from him. 
Well, it, it is a sleek. Your other mask was pretty understated as well. Mm-hmm. Um, your game was not. Thanks for doing this, Cal. Best of luck coming up. Of course. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to Cal Peterson for taking the time after his game. Good mask conversation there as well. He is a, a bit of an old school guy when it comes to mask and mask design. Some guys go for, you know, to show a lot of their personality in their mask and put a lot of crazy stuff on it. Kerry Price had some really cool masks, obviously, through the years. Uh, some other guy, you know, Nikolai Hobby Bullen, for example, had the Bullen wall. So it was very uh, tailored to him. Cal Peterson's mask is just very clean, retro, old school feeling. It's a lot of white. I think it looks really good with the orange jerseys that they wear at home. I'll be interested to see what it looks like on the road when they wear the road whites. Um, I may want a little color on the mask in that situation, but it's a really clean, sleek-looking mask and a good performance by Cal Peterson last night. And they're going to have to play him. I know I saw on social media yesterday a lot of people kind of getting up in arms. Oh, they got to play Harrison, got to keep playing Harrison. It hasn't been that many games. They're just back. You have to have scheduled starts for your backup. This month is not that busy for the Flyers. It really isn't. They have a game Monday against Arizona. They play Thursday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Then next Saturday will be the stadium series game. And it's not the busiest of months, but March is going to be busy. And it's like when, not that I've ever ran a marathon, but it's like if you're running a marathon, you don't exhaust yourself in the first, you know, four kilometers because you'll never be able to plateau. If you wear your goalie down, you'll, there's no bringing him back likely in season because it's just too busy. So you're better off just not getting him to a worn down status. So you have to have these scheduled starts and you're going to have to play your backup goaltender. It's just the way it is in today's game. Not to mention there's one back-to-back in February, but there's a few in March and they play 15 games in 30 days. So you've got to protect against that and play your backup goaltender. And if he's going to give you quality starts like he gave last night, then, um, then, then that's a good thing. You need quality starts out of your backup. You, backup's got to go in there and give you a chance to win. You can't just chalk it up. Cal Peterson did his job last night on a light workload when it came to shots against. So good on him for doing that. Um, one other thing from the game that, again, stuck out, I talked about this after the game against Winnipeg, and it's the allocation of minutes. And the allocation of minutes in this game I thought were interesting. Let's start with the forwards. Uh, Travis Konechny led the way for all forwards with 20 minutes and 34 seconds. He played 356 on the power play, 229 on the PK. So he leads the way. Uh, Sean Couturier is a guy that pretty much all year was over 20 minutes. But you see now, especially with the emergence of Ryan Paling, that you can pull a couple of those minutes away from Sean Couturier to make his effectiveness when he is on the ice higher and the sustainability of his game even greater. 18-33 in the game for Sean Couturier. And Cam Atkinson didn't play a shift in the third period the other night. Played 15-16 in the game. Noah Cates was out there at the end of the game, very responsible. He gets 14 minutes. Scott Lawton played 12-47. Lawton had a really good game last night. Uh, Ryan Paling, 15-12. Owen Tippett, it was a typical 12-6, so he didn't pick up the extra odd shift here and there. Played 17-25, had five shots on goal. A good allocation of the minutes up front. And then on the blue line was 6-D. You had good good allocation of minutes here, too. Leading the way for the Flyers in minutes played was Cam York, 22-58. 
played the most. And the interesting thing about the 2258 when it comes to Cam York, two things. Travis Sanheim had the second highest minutes at 2107. He played 28 shifts in the game, did Sanheim. York played 32 shifts. He played three minutes and 20 seconds on the power play, and he played 332 on the PK. It, I always say, do not listen to coaches or general managers or anybody about what they say about players. Look at the usage. You can tell Bradshaw and John Tortorella have a lot of confidence right now in Cam York based on usage. He was really good in the game. And I thought he and Jamie Drysdale in the third period defending, especially defending any rush attempts from Seattle, were excellent. Their ability to skate the way they do, keep their body under control against the rush, and have an active stick by not getting their body all out of shape or off balance, pays huge dividends. I thought York and Drysdale in particular defended really well in the game. Um, and I had that one bold prediction at the beginning of the season that Cam York would lead the Flyers in average time on ice this season. I waved the white flag early because Sanheim was playing like 26 minutes a night. He was leading the NHL in average time on ice for a period of time. But now all of a sudden, New York is coming back into the equation. My bet might be coming back. I shouldn't have waved the white flag. I shouldn't have sold the ticket early. Uh, but York, really good performance uh, last night for the Flyers in, in a very heavy workload. Are you talking about a 23-year-old defenseman in Cam York? And Jamie Drysdale, a 21-year-old defenseman. That's a really good sign for the Philadelphia Flyers. So a 3-2 win. They'll wrap up the three-game homestand coming up on Monday when the Arizona Coyotes come to town, Thursday against Toronto, and then next Saturday, Stadium Series. Flyers, Devils at MetLife will take it outdoors. So that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. It'll be a Mondays with Meltzer. So join us then for a brand-new Flyers Daily.